Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Hopefully you will enjoy this podcast as much as I did. It was absolutely fascinating and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. We try to go for a variety of topics to talk about on the Runners Connect podcast and we listen to your suggestions about who you would like to hear from. So thank you to those of you who suggested unbroken author Laura Hillenbrand. We did reach out to her and she was willing to have an interview. Runners love it when our sport intersects with what is going on in life. We hadn't had a good running movie in a while, until recently that is. Unbroken has been a huge hit in cinemas because it follows the true story of Olympian Louis Zamperini who survived 47 days in a raft after his bomber plane crashed into the ocean and then he spent years as a prisoner of war in Japan. Now a little bit more about Laura. She is the author of Unbroken which is in the cinemas. The book itself sold 4 million copies. Well that was a previous record. I'm sure it's even higher by now. She also wrote Sea Biscuit which many of you will have heard of or seen, which spent 42 weeks at the number one New York Times bestseller list. It was also the William Hill Sports Book of the Year and was even voted best-selling sports book in history by Newsweek. Laura is the two-time winner of the Eclipse Award, which is the highest journalistic honour in thoroughbred racing. She is the co-founder of Operation International Children, which provides school supplies to needy children through US troops. Laura has ME, so mostly stays indoors, but it has helped to uh, shape her creative process, which you will learn about in this interview. Today, we're going to cover how Laura came up with the idea for Unbroken and why Louis Zamperini was so fascinating to her, how Laura has adapted to her life with ME, and how we can correlate that with the ups and downs that we have in our running lives. What happened in Louis' final days before he passed last summer, you won't want to miss this. It was absolutely amazing to hear. And why Laura believes sports stories are the best stories there are out there. Whether you have read Unbroken or seen it or not, we want you to listen to this podcast. You will learn about one incredible person and someone who Laura believes would have been the first person in the world to break four minutes in the mile had the World War II not intervened. This is a great interview, so let's get on with it and hear from Laura. Welcome, Laura, to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to be talking to you right now. So, um, as I've already mentioned, uh, you are the author for uh, Unbroken and Sea Biscuit. Unbroken is currently in the uh, movies right now, especially, well, definitely here in the States. I'm not sure about the rest of the world. But um, I don't want to ruin the storyline for those who have not read or seen it. Um, and I'm not sure I could uh, analyze it and give a summary without actually giving the story away. So I thought you'd be better at that. So could you just quickly go over um, the storyline behind Unbroken? Sure. Um, Unbroken is the biography of a man named Louis Zamperini. And he was a uh, kind of a hellraiser of a kid. He was he was a, a, a crazy thief and, and a runaway and a really difficult boy who discovered... Uh, in his teenage years, that he had extraordinary running talent. And he became one of the greatest milers in American history. He probably would have been the first person in world history to run a four-minute mile had uh, World War II not intervened. Um, he, he ran in the Olympics in 1936 and did very well as a teenager. 
Um, in World War II, he became a bombardier and uh, was flying over the Pacific on a rescue mission when his plane crashed, and he ended up on a raft with two other men, and they floated for 47 days and 2,000 miles. They were attacked by sharks. They went through a typhoon. They were strafed by the Japanese. They were starving down to half their body weight. And that is just the beginning of the story. Yep, you're right on there. I mean, there's so much more to it and absolutely incredible. I I loved it and um, I couldn't say any better reviews about it so I love that you've give, you've told us what it's about without actually giving anything away I'm not sure I could I could manage that so uh, <laughs> so um you were diagnosed with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and um your your illness must have taught you a lot about how to uh, adapt to adversity um so could you explain to us how you keep moving forward during those tough times in your life when it has become particularly difficult maybe giving a uh, brief overview of what that actually means to those people who may not have heard of that before. Sure, it's it's a disease which um, we are actually now calling it ME, which is the, the name that is given in other countries. The name chronic fatigue syndrome is is such a misnomer, um, and it's something that leads people to dismiss it. And Americans have never liked it, so it's now called myalgic encephalomyelitis or ME. Um, it's a disease that causes profound exhaustion, uh, the kind of exhaustion where you are unable at times to sit up or stand up or walk or even speak. Um, it causes a host of other symptoms, a lot of cognitive problems, balance problems, swollen lymph nodes, night sweats, chills, um, all kinds of things. It, it, it really affects your entire body, and it's a, it's a disastrous thing to have. It's, it's terribly incapacitating, and it causes a, a great deal of suffering. For me, I have the the one particularly severe symptom on top of the exhaustion is vertigo, um, which for me means uh, the floor feels like it's moving up and down all the time. Things appear to be moving around me. Um, I'm very dizzy all the time, and, and that's been going on for decades for me. And so it's it's something that's been very a very big challenge to adapt to and to, to learn how to have a life around a disease this severe. I'm. I'm much healthier now than I have been at other times of the illness. I probably was bedridden for a total of about six years of it. I, I got it in 1987, so I've had it a long, long time. Um, but for me, it has been a process of learning how to adapt my surroundings to make things easier. I, I keep a refrigerator upstairs. I, I kind of arrange my work around myself so that I don't have to keep getting up and down. Um, a lot of things like that to make it easier. And... And just emotionally, you have to learn how to walk a, a kind of careful line. You have to learn how to accept that you are quite badly disabled and at the same time to not lose hope and to not lose your aspirations so that you can keep trying to get better um, and, and keep trying to to overcome what you're dealing with. So it's, it's a very difficult thing to live with. It's a very, very harsh and, and cruel disease. Um, but I've I found ways to be a, a happy woman in spite of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it sounds like it. And uh, I can't even imagine having to, you know, learn how to relive your life, essentially. You said you were diagnosed in 1987, so you've, you know, had some time to get used to it. And we experience some of those symptoms during our runs. You know, towards the end of a race, you may go through some of those things. But having to deal with it day to day, all day long, it can, I can only imagine, and especially 
with the vertigo like you mentioned I mean that is I'm sure a lot of people have been through that at some point for you know even a few hours can be um, miserable so that's great that you've found a way of you know living with it and not only just living with it but finding a way of finding joy in your life and not letting it uh, pull you back and it's also interesting you you said about you've learned what works and it's kind of like how we tell people to listen to their bodies you learn what's best for you and you know you of all people have learned how important that is to listen to what your body is telling you so it's interesting absolutely Absolutely. Um, do you think uh, that's obviously made you very tough? Do you think any of your toughness was reflected in uh, in Louis's character, or you know, obviously that came from a real person? But do you think some of your um, the setbacks and the struggles you've had have come out through um, the writing about Louis? I wouldn't say that they have come out, but what I would say is that it turned into kind of an advantage to have been through as much suffering as I have when I approach the subject who, whose story is defined by extraordinary suffering, he became a prisoner of war and he was enslaved and, uh, and tormented and tortured. And um, the physical things he went through as well as the emotional things were, were truly horrifying. And I have had times in my life when I have gone just all the way to the depths of suffering. And, and Louis and I both understood that, understood what that felt like. Not, I don't compare myself to a prisoner of war, but I have been to very dark places in terms of suffering. And knowing that I had been through those things enabled him, I think, to open up to me in a way he might not have opened up to someone else. And this was true of the other people that I interviewed uh, in working on the book, other prisoners of war, other veterans, other athletes. Um, it, it, it helped us to kind of have a communion and uh, it also helped me in terms of being able to imagine what it was that he was dealing with, and that helped me to, to shape questions for him as well as to explore it with him more deeply than maybe somebody else who had led a healthy life would have been able to. So in that, in that odd way, it was an advantage. It was physically extremely hard for me to write the book. It took seven years because of being sick, but... Um, I'm not unhappy that I was sick in terms of being an author for this story. Oh, yeah. No, I could see that. And, I mean, in some ways, probably the seven years it took you to write the book allowed you to, you know, I I was reading that you um, talked to Louis 75 times on the phone, so it allowed you to truly get to know his character and understand it and, you know, really pour your passion and your heart into it rather than just, you know, rushing it to get it done by a particular deadline. So I could I could definitely see how that would be the case. And I think often, um, you know, we tend to think, oh, you know, things are so bad and we tend to um, make things more extreme. I know I do, you know, if I have to take a day off running, I might get stressed and, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. But it really is about perspective. And I'm sure you and Louis both, the two of you were able to gain some perspective of each other and, you know, see suffering and see pain in a different way, but use it as building strength within you. So that's, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for me, um, I went through a terrible relapse of my illness while I was working on the book, and I actually was so sick that I was unable to leave my home for two years because I simply couldn't walk all the way to the car. And while I was dealing with that, it was a terrible time in my life, but when I would get on the phone with Louie and we would talk, I kept working every day no matter what. Um, 
you know, he would he would talk about these things that he had been through, and I was always thinking, if he can get through that, I can get through this. And that's that's a beautiful lesson that he carries to everybody because you you can't find a story of a person suffering more hardship than he did. But he always, you know, he always went forward with optimism and with hope and with cheer, and it's tremendously inspiring. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's the book and the movie both displayed that, that, you know, you just keep going, keep pushing through. And, you know, even that the moment, um, I don't know how I can ask it without um, giving it away, but the moment about endurance towards the end of the movie, I mean, that just shows that, you know, even when you think you are to the end of the point of no return, the point where you can't do much more, you can always find some strength in there. And uh, I'm sure you both having one another was a huge help in that. Yeah, I hope so. so. (laughs) I'm sure it was. Um, So could you tell us about um, where the idea for the book came from? I mean, I I read about how you were reading a newspaper, but could you explain it to um, our listeners? Sure. um, It was an odd way that I found Louis' story. I'd never heard of him before. But uh, my first book was on the racehorse Seabiscuit, who was a a huge star in America in the 1930s, and that was the same time when Louie was a big star in running. And I was looking at a 1938, I believe, newspaper um, and read an article about uh, Seabiscuit and turned the page over, and on the exact other side of the page was an article about this teenage running phenom named Louis Zamperini, and I was fascinated, and I, I wrote down his name, and I didn't at that point know what happened to him in the war, but already his life story was so compelling. I, I wanted to learn more about him. And while I was working on See This Get, I kept coming across things about Louis. I learned what happened to him in the war. And when I got done with the book, I tracked him down, and, and we got on the phone with each other, and he told me his life story. And by the time I was done with the conversation, I knew this was the next book I was going to write. Wow, that, that's that's great. I mean, I didn't know that in that much detail, but that's amazing that it was kind of uh, the same time you were writing Seabiscuit. You you had the th- uh, thoughts about this book, and that's wow. That's that's very insightful. I'm very interested to read yeah. that. And uh, it was a way um, your father was um, also maybe not in a similar situation to Louis, but went through some experiences. That, do you think that played a role? I think I think a lot of my fascination with Louis came out of. Uh, having the father that I did. My father uh, fought in World War II, and uh, he, he fought his way across Europe, and he was severely wounded by a German mortar uh, in, in the fall of uh, 1944, and he spent a year and a half in the hospital. And, and my father is a very talkative man, but he really never talked much about what had happened to him. Only recently has he begun to open up about it. He's almost 90 years old now. Um, and... I think that part of why I was drawn to Louis is that Louis could talk about his war experience and give me a sense of what it was like to be a soldier in World War II and what it was like to go through extremity in that war. And I think in a subconscious way, I was trying to connect to my father. Yeah. Oh, I could definitely see that. I'm sure that would be the case. And um, do you, why, why is it, do you think that, um, when it comes to sports stories, like you, you know, you've written about Sea Biscuit and uh, Unbroken, both of them. What is it you think about those kind of stories that really capture your imagination? And you know, you always seem to write about the um, 
the people or the horse <laughs> I guess that um, yeah. kind of have those setbacks have those things that go wrong and it all seems like it's you know never going to happen yet it goes through but why do you think those um, are the kind of stories that interest you the most? Well I think sports are fascinating to, to, to read about and write about because sports are a proxy for real life we we kind of uh, substitute the real struggles we go through in the world in these team-against-team team or athlete-against-athlete athlete sports where we get to test ourselves in a very pure way. And, and it's a way of, of reaching very deep in yourself when you're an athlete um, to find what's really there. You know, you go, through, you go through pain and you go through the tedium of training and you have to, to come to that point where you're tested to your limit and see what's in you. And I think that's what's really fascinating about sports and, and, and why we follow them and why we like reading the great stories of sports like Seabiscuit and like Louis Zamperini's running career. And so I think for me, that's, it's just a, a wonderful setting for, for human nature or in Seabiscuit equine nature, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the horses are, are, are like people in, yeah. in a lot of ways and, they, and race horses are, are athletes just as much as your, your you know, Olympic runner is. And so I, I am completely fascinated by sports, and I think an awful lot of people are for that reason. Oh, no, I, I agree. And, yeah, that's great that you, you know, say that about um, Seabiscuit in particular and uh, the way that the racehorses are trained is, is very similar to the way that um, a, a runner in particular would be trained in the, sure. you know, the way that the horse has to live its life. So um, I could definitely... They are, they're very much... Racehorses are very much aware that they are athletes and that they're mm-hmm. competing. You know, they're not, it's not just sort of like a horse goes out there and runs. They want to win. Yeah. They, they love racing and they really want to beat each other. And in that sense, they're like human athletes too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I actually horse rode for quite a few years of my life. And uh, I, I definitely could see that when you get, you see the look in their eye every now and again. And, and especially if yeah. it's, you know, they're used to doing it on a day-to-day basis, I'm sure even more so. And uh, your characters in both books show traits that uh, many runners have, uh, such as toughness, determination, commitment, perseverance. And uh, you also showed those in your um, determination with writing the books, such as uh, you mentioned earlier about talking to some of uh, Louis's uh, other prison inmates, fellow inmates that he was in there with and uh, looking up things about him and um, what led you to kind of dig deep into the the things outside of what just what Louis was telling you from what I was uh, hearing you you went outside of the box and you know even told Louis some things that he didn't know but um, it's interesting to see that you you'd show some of those characters even though you weren't able to you know physically get out and run yourself as you mentioned you um, you showed some of these traits but um, what led you to you know, go after that, go, go into that attention to detail to get the, the real insight into Louis's life? Well, I don't believe in telling a story from a narrow perspective. And, and if you just tell it from the, from the point of view of, of the one individual you're writing about, you're missing a lot because you, you can look at the story through multiple points of view and you can get the whole context. You can get the feel of the time. And that's, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to tell the story of the Depression era and World War II through the eyes of this one man and, and through the story that he lived. And to get that whole story, I needed the perspectives of everybody around him. And 
it provided so much breadth and depth to the story that just one person can't ever provide, no matter how observant they are. They can't be everywhere. And so it was it, it was such a privilege to be able to look look at the story from so many points of view. I would go to uh, these files at the National Archives here in Washington, and there are affidavits there from thousands and thousands of prisoners of war. And so I could look up particular people in particular camps, and I could get you know, 25 points of view on a single story. And that enabled me to tell the story very richly, you know, with lots of detail. You get as close as you can to telling it like a novel, um, just using the facts that you can find. And I, I think it's the best way to tell a story. Oh, no, and that definitely shows in your, in your work and in, in the book, you know, the attention to detail and you really make everyone feel like we're there and I think that really helps with your writing and uh, it kind of seems as though um, you live vicariously through Red, through Seabiscuit and through, and through Louis' running career in that um, even though you're not able to get out there, you kind of make sure that you make the, the reader feel as if they are there, kind of almost as if, would you say that you um, feel that this is your way of connecting with them, with those characters? you know, I say characters, but people in the book? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I really wanted to feel what they felt. I, I would spend long, long hours just sitting and imagining what it must have been like for Louis to be on a raft for 47 days floating across the Pacific. And, you know, I mean, I, I would think of things, you know, what, what would this be like? What would it be like to have the sun glinting off the ocean? all day long, and, and I thought, you know, I bet I bet they all had headaches. I bet their eyes were always hurting, and I called Louie up, and I said, you know, did, did you guys have terrible eye strain from the, the glare off the ocean? He said, you know, no one's ever asked me that, and I haven't thought about it, but yes, we had headaches the whole time. Our eyes were killing us, and, and you know, it was, it was a benefit of just sitting around imagining the story as vividly as I could, and then coming up with questions from that, and and Louis was so patient. I asked him thousands and thousands of questions, and he, he was always willing to keep talking and help me understand exactly what he saw and experienced. I'm sure he appreciated that. And just a side question, did he, did he read the book afterwards? Yes. He did yeah. read it? Uh, he, was, he was very happy with it. And he, he gave me, it's a funny thing to call this a compliment, but it was. He said, he called me up the day after he finished it, and he said that I had taken him back oh. to to the camps again. And, and he said he would sit by his window and read the book and that it was so real to him again that he'd have to stop and look out his window and, and remind himself it's 2009 and I'm in California and that's over. And he said it also made him miss his friends, all of his long-gone friends from the war that, you know, are long dead now. Um, it, it, they were real enough to him that he, he felt sad and, and missed them. But he was, he was very happy with the book because he felt like he captured the story correctly and also the, the lessons of his life. And that was what was most important to him, that, that people could learn from what he'd been through. Oh, yeah. Well, that is incredible that you, uh, that he, you were able to stir up that kind of emotion and bring it back to him that clearly. That I mean, that truly shows how close to the truth you were able to get and that's absolutely amazing that you managed to do that without actually you know going through it yourself so just kind of <laughs> reminded me of um you know when we are preparing for a race we're told to visualize the race you sit down you 
you imagine it in your mind and not just see it as uh, I'm going to imagine this, but you have to feel it. Imagine the feelings that you're you're going to experience, like as you cross the finish line, as you go through those specific moments, and it kind of almost reminds me of of that. So. Um, mm. It's kind of interesting to hear you say that. So um, I had a question from uh, one of our athletes, our Runners Connect athlete. He uh, wanted to know the the movie ends with Louis returning home. Um, and he, he wanted to know, were you disappointed that the movie did not do more with what happened after his return as he had such a remarkable life after after he returned back to the States? I was not disappointed with it. it. I mean, for people who haven't who haven't read the book, um, Louis came back and suffered terribly from post traumatic stress disorder, and he he kind of collapsed emotionally, and then he had an experience which brought him peace finally, which enabled him to forgive everyone he, he had he had been hurt by in the war, um, and and that was something that could not be gone into at great length with the movie. I understood going in that they were going to have difficulty telling this huge a story in, in the parameters of a movie. You really can't go much over two hours. and mm-hmm. It's a huge story of a big life. Um, but the thing I can say is that we actually wanted the story to end just the way it did in the movie. Um, he, he, he read the screenplay and he loved it. And the, the screenplay ended the way the movie did. They didn't, they didn't change it along the way. Um, he wanted the things that had happened to him after the war to be something that was discussed gently, that was brought to people gently and would arouse more interest, and he hoped that they would go to the book if they wanted to know more. Um, He didn't want to beat people over the head with the experiences he had had after the war. He didn't want to evangelize. Um, And so he was very happy with it, and actually when he was dying last summer, uh, the director, Angelina Jolie, uh, brought the rough cut of the movie to his hospital bed and put it, she had it on a laptop and she set it up on his lap and played the movie for him. And he wow. was overjoyed. He loved it. Oh. And, you know, my, my obligation with the movie was to ensure that they were historically correct and that they were true to Louis. And to know that he was really happy with it in the end, in the last days of his life, just pleases me to no end. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that is... That's that makes my heart swell. Even thinking about that, just you know, yeah. leaving leaving this world on a happy note, knowing that his story was well portrayed, and you know, having someone show it to him, the finished product. I bet that was a very special moment for him, and yeah, um, brings it all together. So, um, yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, well, that's all the questions I have for. Um, the time being, but I just had one other question for myself that I have been asking my guests. If you could give me one word that you would like to describe uh, what you would like to achieve, accomplish, or be in 2015, what would what word would that be and why? I think it's always the same for me, and I hope it always will be the same, and that I think the word would be love. I... I, I believe the most important thing you can do in this world is love the individuals around you and people and animals and the world you're in and to be grateful for the gifts that you get and to lavish love on others uh, to give as much of yourself as you can and that's always what I resolve to do every New Year's and, and that's the way I try to live my life every day. Oh, that's wonderful. That's such a nice 
nice thing to say <laughs> um Thank you. and then so as are you working on any books now is there any a next for you or are you just taking a bit of time to decompress after I'm sure the craziness of <laughs> I, this going on I do need, yeah I do need some decompression the, the book and the movie and the paperback and I, I did a young reader edition of the book which it just came out in okay. November and so it's it's been a lot um so I've basically been unbroken all the time since uh I don't know 2003 when I started so I, I want to take a little bit of time. I do have an idea. Um, I found another story while I was researching uh, Unbroken that I would like to look into to see if there's a book in it. I think there is, and it's a great story. I'm not telling anybody mm-hmm. what it is, but I, I hope to soon start on it. Was it on that same newspaper that um, Louis' story and Seabiscuit's story were in, or was this a different No, uh, <laughs> no it, was something, uh, it was something I discovered while I was, while I was researching Unbroken. It's, it's a completely unrelated story, but it was something that I just hit upon while I was, while I was looking, and, and uh, I couldn't believe this was a story nobody had told before. So oh, really? I'm, I'm looking into it. Oh, okay, great. And uh, I love that you use, um, you know, what we consider old-fashioned methods to find your ideas rather than, you know, there's so much stimulation on the internet, and it's just sometimes can be overwhelming but it's nice that, to read that you go back to back to basics and look at what you know the the print versions of papers and looking in the past is to get ideas and get inspiration I mean that's very unique and um, very interesting to hear about um, so for our listeners if you would like to learn more about Laura and about um, the rest of the links we have talked about if you would check out runnersconnect.net forward slash rc44 you can find more information and you can uh, i will post all the links up there to laura's books to the movie everything we've talked about today so make sure you check that out so i would like to thank you laura for um coming on the show today really appreciate the time you've taken and i know your schedule must be incredibly busy right now so thank you for your time and uh, i know i i found it absolutely eye-opening and incredible to talk to you so um, thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's been a delightful interview. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Wasn't she lovely? You can find all links today at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC44. That's the number 44. If you like this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. And it's pretty simple to do. You just go to runnersconnect.net forward slash review, which will take you to the page where you can connect to iTunes and leave us a review. It would mean a lot and really help us rise up the rankings towards our goal of being the number one running podcast. Now, you know how important it is to strive towards a goal. We would love if you could help us achieve ours. Thank you. Have a great week.